Welcome to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast, episode 32. My name is Alina Warwick, and I'm super thrilled to bring on Angelica Rivera to the show. Angelica came from Colombia all by herself when she was 16 years old. For a period of time, she was undocumented, didn't know any English, and eventually dropped out of college. She now lives in New Orleans and has a construction company called Colmex Construction with her husband, and their business has won so many awards. One of them was Best Place to Work in New Orleans. But it was not all that easy for Angelica in the beginning stages. So let's dive right in and see how this Latino female creates millions in revenue in the construction business. Let's go. Angelica, thank you so much for coming to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast. I truly appreciate your time and I'm really interested and excited to talk about your immigrant journey. So how are you doing today? Oh, doing great. Thank you. And no, the pleasure is all my thank you so much for the invitation. So uh, let's talk about your immigrant journey. Tell us where you're from and when did you come to the United States? Okay, I'm from a small town in Colombia called Cajica, which is about an hour from Bogota, the, the capital. And I came to the United States uh, back in 1995. Okay. And how old were you? I was 16 years old when I got here. Yeah. A teenager. Teenager. Yeah. 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 And did you come with your family? No, actually, I came by myself and I came to live with my uncle, finished high school with him. Oh, my goodness. Tell me more. 16 years old, all by yourself as a young lady. OK, let's let's hear more about that story. Why did you decide to leave and come and come to the States? Um, well, actually, it's funny because the reason why I came is, well, the main reason is I did have a boyfriend there and I found out that he was with someone else. I was 16 years old. I talked to my dad and I was doing pretty good at school. So I told him that I wanted to come. My uncle, uh, he he already talked to me a couple of times that I finished high school here. We should more opportunities. And so I talked to my dad and, and, and we decided to let me come and, and finish my high school here. So that was the plan to stay here for six months while I finished my high school. Oh, okay. Okay. So you left your family all in Colombia. You got on a plane all by yourself to meet your uncle and to finish high school. Exactly. So Yep, that's, that was the plan. But things didn't work out. I am moving with a roommate like three months after I got here. And that's where the, the real journey started. <laughs> oh, no. And so did you want to go back to Colombia after you were done with high school? Was that the original plan? Yeah, actually, when I got my visa, I, I got permit to be here for six months. And that was mm -hmm. the plan to be here for six months and learn English and stay here and finish high school here. But then I met someone and I decided to stay. So, I mean, my, my dad almost, he, he, he got really upset with me. He was like, no, you need to come back now. I'm like, well, I'm here already. So yeah, <laughs> too late, dad. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm already here. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. So where did you pick up English? Did you pick it up in Colombia before you came? No, not at all, actually. And when I got here, uh, I came to New York. Where I came, there was no one that, that was speaking Spanish, even in the school. So I remember that that I was in these kind of easel classes, but there was 
I thought that everybody speaks English except for me. And no, they, they speak different languages. But since I didn't understand, <laughs> so I thought that everybody was speaking English. <laughs> so it was really difficult. And, and actually, I think that's one of the more difficult things that I went through. Again, being a teenager, going to school, didn't understand anyone. I mean, I got to class sometimes and people were taking a paper to, ready to do with the test. And I didn't know what they were doing. And the next day they came with with this project and I was like, what? <laughs> so it was it was kind of hard at the beginning because again at the school that I that I used to go back then, they no one speaks Spanish. Not not teachers, no students, no one. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you when you left Colombia, you landed in New York? Yes, that's exactly where I started. But then about six months later, I went down to Orlando, Florida. Yeah, so that's where everything started. Like I met someone and, and we moved together and then my parents came to visit and they didn't stay in too <laughs> so it was funny because my mom after she got here she told my dad no I want to stay with Angelica so he's like are you serious so he went back by himself and they came back like a month later and he's like no you need to come back and she's like no I'm staying here so yeah <laughs> so they ain't staying all together so that, that was good oh that's awesome all right so tell me what was it like growing up in Colombia well, it was pretty nice, actually. And like I told you, I grew up in a really small town. There was no phones, no TVs. Uh, so wow. we play outside all the time with friends. And if there was homework, we needed to go to the library to do the homework there because there was no, no internet. There was basically no technology. So it's funny because my kids, I have four boys. They asked me, how you didn't get nuts without technology? Yeah. <laughs> and I told them, well, because technology is the one that drives you nuts. So <laughs> that's why. <laughs> I feel blessed because of, I think I'm within that last generation without that grew up without technology. But now we have the pleasure to enjoy now. So, so yeah, I think there's a blessing. So was it prominent for everyone in Colombia from the town that you lived in to get a higher education, to go to college? What was that like? Not really. I mean, I always was uh, pretty good in school. I did really good in school and I got into pretty good schools because my score was really high. And then that's why my uncle, when he went and visited us a couple of times, he was like, Angelica, when you graduate from high school, I mean, there is not really, I mean, it's, it would be really difficult for us to go to college or university up, uh, in Colombia. It's not like in here, you have a lot of opportunities over there, it's really difficult. But I didn't realize that it was the same as difficult here without documents. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So let's go back to the struggles that you mentioned when you first moved. You were in New York. You were 16 years old. You had no English. Tell me a little bit more about the struggles that you went through. Yeah. The beginning was really difficult. And not only that, but again, the fact that I didn't have documents when I, with my visa expired. And even before that, that didn't allow me to go to uh, university without paying the full tuition. So it was pretty difficult. And and now keep in mind, un, undocumented is not the same as illegal. I always get upset. And I remember I have a couple of issues back then because people are, so you're illegal? I'm not, no, I'm not illegal. I'm undocumented. <laughs> I haven't done anything illegal and nothing is illegal about wanting a better life. So yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I think initially those were the two first things that I that I kind of went through when I start. It was the fact that English, that I mean I didn't speak English, and also the fact that there was not documents, so and didn't have 
probably the, the financial capacity to go to university. So. so did you end up going to college here? I did a year in college in Orlando, when I, but that was years after I started working and, and was able to pay for it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So one full year and then you were done with college. You were like, this is not for me. <laughs> well, actually, I started working when I was about 18 years old and I started as a housekeeper okay. uh, cleaning units in Orlando in a resort for a national housekeeper company. And working there, it gave me the opportunity because uh, like two years later, I was a district manager running six of hotels uh, with the housekeeping department in six hotels. So it helps me a lot. And by that time, I got married with my older son's dad, and he actually, he was American citizen. So that's how I got my uh, my citizen. Okay. So by that time, I started working again with this company, and I got to a district manager when I traveled around the country. I went to Las Vegas with them, to New York, oh. Georgia, opened new resource and helped them with, with that. So so it was it was pretty good. I stayed with them for almost six years. So during that time, I also went to college, but I um, didn't get to finish. When I got divorced from him, I got my, my older kid, who's, who's now 24 years old. And uh, so I was with him and I was working and I was going to college. So then it became difficult. So I had to drop college. Mm, got it. Got it. Well, you know what? College is not for everyone. So hang on to that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that now. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So tell me a little bit more about being undocumented. What types of limitations does that bring? And like, what kind of circumstances did that allow you to live in? Well, it is sad because even that you have all the willing to do things and, and, and when you go and apply for a job and you don't have a social security number, so so you don't have opportunities to grow. It's, so it's, it's really difficult. You cannot go to a college or university unless you have uh, the money to pay for. So there is a lot of doors that are, are closed for you as when, mm. when you don't have documents. Again, it is that. And sometimes I see a lot of people that they actually open companies and they have their own business and they're still undocumented. So I'm so proud of seeing our people doing the American dream. Yes, I love it. And this podcast shows so, so many stories of immigrants just coming here, like you said, with a huge American dream, opening up businesses and transforming lives. Yeah, I, I truly, truly believe in, in the immigrants. Okay, so Angelica, before you tell our listeners about your company, tell me a little bit more about the path you took. And I really want to know if you went into any other fields before starting your business. So I'm hearing that you initially did not start in the construction business. You worked at the hotels. So tell me a little bit more about the path. Well, yeah, in fact, Colmex was, is not my first company. As I mentioned, I started working on this uh, company when I was like 18, 19 years old. And then I stayed with them for almost six years. And then I got this crazy dream of becoming my own boss. <laughs> So, so that's when I decided that I have more to give, like I got more potential. Like I, I was giving it to someone else instead of putting it on, on my own. Mm-hmm. So I, I got my license, my mortgage broker license, and I opened a company. And initially I started working with a mortgage broker uh, company uh, doing uh, loans to buy houses. And, and after about six months, I was able to open my own company. So that was like back in 2013 when I opened my mortgage company. 
And it was doing pretty good. I mean, we did really, really good until 2007 that we have this uh, collapse in the economy in Florida really feel that collapse. So it was pretty bad. I mean, in the mortgage industry, it was bad. So that's when my husband, he used to be like a handyman. He was in the construction business, but he did small jobs like bathroom renovations, kitchen renovations while I, I got my company. So he decided to come to New Orleans to help after Hurricane Katrina. One of his friends was here doing framing. So he called mm -hmm. him and, and that's how he moved here like two months before I did just to see how everything was. And then uh, I decided to move here and like the first two months I stayed with the kids. At that time, I only had two kids, Nicholas, who was about 12 years old and Julian was a year old. And then a couple of months after that, he asked me to help him. He's really good in what he does. He's really good doing things. But as far as the back office and accounting and, and management, he's not really good. So he realized mm -hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. So he asked for help. <laughs> so that's how we start working together in Comex. Got it. Got it. Okay. So a few follow-up questions. How old were you when you opened that first mortgage business? I was around 24 years old, 25 years old. Yes. Wow. That's really young. <laughs> good job, girl. Good job. <laughs> okay. And then how old were you when you had the Colmex construction company with your husband? When we opened Colmex, I was about 29 years old. Yeah. 28, 29 years old. And okay. No, I was going to say that, that we start minus zero because everything went so bad with the, with the economy collapse and the mortgage industry. And, and yeah. I used to have a, a couple of properties under my name that they end going in foreclosure. So it was it was pretty rough when we start comics. Wow. Wow. OK, so did it really start with your husband doing like handyman and then you kind of just joined in and said, we're going to do this huge company, construction company and start doing picking up, you know, bigger projects? Well, initially he was working with someone else doing framing. He was doing a small renovations and things like that in Orlando. But when he came here, they were doing just framing and then his partner went back to Orlando. So that's when he asked me, because, and again, uh, they, they have a, a couple of jobs here and there, but he was really disorganized with the accounting and the office and payments. That was the first time that we worked together. <laughs> you know, it's before I have my own company, he has his own company. So we were totally separate in, as far as business. Mm -hmm. But then when he asked me, I told him, I said, well, you realize that we're going to get everything organized and you need to follow directions. As far as <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's do it. And, and it's been working. I mean, it's been really good. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have been uh, the fact that we're a couple and that we go home every day. We work all day. But at the end, right now it's a blessing and I, we handle it pretty good and we mm -hmm. learn together how to do it. So it's been pretty good. Oh, I love it. I love to hear that. Really good synergy going on. <laughs> yeah, that that's is awesome. Good. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about Colmex Construction. What types of projects do you guys normally do? What have you guys done in the past? Tell me a little bit more about that. Okay, so Colmex start again as a framing company, and in fact, we start with two of the guys that start helping my husband. They were from Mexico, and that's how we came out with the name Colmex. That's Colombia, Mexico. 
Oh, okay. Yes. So we start doing framing and that's when we realized the need of, of having a general contractor to be complete houses. So we start getting everything together. We got our residential contractor license. So we start doing more residential and then we got our commercial license and we start working with nonprofit organizations doing affordable housing. And so now with the time that's what we did. We did private owners, renovations, and new home constructions. And now we, we're doing more uh, commercial, like school renovations, museums. We're done. We're done. I mean, there, there is more on the commercial side, but we keep doing residential work. Wow. Wow. Amazing. So museums and commercial and residential, that pretty pretty much covers a large industry right there. <laughs> yeah, initially that was, again, it, it was only the construction part, but I think uh, our focus since the beginning was to create an, I mean, a pretty stable and strong organizational culture. And that helped us to get a really good teamwork uh, of people. And our team members are great. I mean, they really help us to grow. We have, initially, that was one of my more, uh, my, my uh, weakness, I'd say, to to delegate i wanted to do it everything and and if i don't do it it didn't get run correctly yeah but then i learned how to delegate we start getting people that know everyone in my office knows more than me i say that all the time Mm -hmm. but uh they know in their specialty uh, how to do it i know how to do a little bit of everything which helps me to kind of make sure i work on my business instead of in my business all the time so that's i think that's the key that that was one of the keys to grow to focus on that organizational culture. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love it. So Angelica, how long did it take you guys to start seeing like real traction in the beginning stages? Well, I I think it was a couple of years actually from the beginning. It was hard because we didn't even know what do we need? What do we want? How how to do it? So it was that a stage that you don't know. So so then then you start knowing that you don't. So when you know you don't know, is when you start yeah. looking for help. And I think it took us a couple of years. I would say about three four years until we actually realized that we have a good foundation, and that's with everything to start. Okay, so basically what I'm hearing is you really don't need to know everything to start a business. Yeah, definitely. And now I look back 13 years ago when when we start Colmex and some of the times I'm like, oh, my God, we were really crazy to start to to get that in with what we have. And so we were just like, yeah, let's do it. And we didn't thought about a lot of things, which is good. Now I'm thankful that I didn't analyze all those things that I'm analyzing now. So. Right. Yeah. And it seems like the more passion and the more drive you have, the more it propels you to move forward with your business. But to see the end goal or to have a complete business plan, you know, right in front of you is not really that necessary. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Awesome. So did you have to raise any capital to start Colmex Construction? Well, actually, we didn't. And it was funny because, like I mentioned before, we weren't even in zero. We were under because we came with a lot of debts from Florida. And my credit wasn't uh, the best. His credit wasn't the best because we lose a couple properties. So we didn't have the chance to to even think about getting a loan or getting money. So mm-hmm. we started doing things like together at the beginning. I used to go with him and, and install 
baseboard and a house and paint the house inside so we can collect some wow. money. And that's how we start. I mean, we didn't get a loan initially uh, or or any financial help. We kind of did it, tried to save as much as we can, do as much as work as we can so we can get the money in. And, and, and actually, uh, one of the things that we did since the beginning that I was clear is we treat Colmex as an entity, not as my business. Like if, okay, we made this job and we made $10,000, so let's go and have fun or let's buy a new car. No, we, that's something that we have clear since the beginning. So we start paying ourselves a salary. And I, I remember it was like $250 a week to cover our rent and our food. Just the minimum that we needed, we kind of did a budget and we're like, okay, this is what we need to survive. Oh my and everything goodness. else we keep it in the company. So, I mean, I used to do this, this payroll checks just for him and me every week. And even if there was no money in the bank, I keep doing the check. So whenever there was like a, a, a big job or something, I just cashed those checks, but I didn't take any more money out of the company. So I think that's, that's how the company grow and have this foundation and got the capital that we were able to raise with the years. Okay. So did you say $250 a week in the beginning stages? Yeah, that was 13 years ago. Our expenses uh, with yeah. schools and, 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 and rent and all that was like wow. 1900 and something. So we're like, okay, we're going to pay ourselves. <laughs> we're not taking anything for the company. Because before that, when he was doing it by himself, he used to pay cash to the guys that help him. And every time that he got paid, he'd go and cash the check and go use it for groceries and things like that. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but again, wow. at that time, he was the one running it. So I'm like, okay, you you do whatever you want to do. But when he asked for help and when he asked me to join him, I'm like, okay, but there is rules. <laughs> wow. Amazing. The stories that I hear of what people did in the very beginning stages is just astonishing. So thank you so much for sharing that. I wanted to ask you, about because I I actually found you on the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about the program. When did you guys join the program and what kind of benefits did you see from it? Tell me a little bit more more about that. Okay. The Goldman Sachs program was one of the best things that we ever done. Uh, And I always recommend it to everyone because they help you to do not a business plan, but a growth plan based on your needs. And remember, I said it in, uh, before that delegating was one of my main issues. Actually, the program teached me and helped me how to manage that and how to delegate. And one of my goals was to take a vacation with my husband, with the company running, and like we weren't there. And it took me 12 years to do it. But last year, I took six weeks vacation in Europe. And not even a phone call. And when I got back, everything was running like normal, like they never need me. So (laughs) that was like a dream come true. And and there is a lot of nonprofit organizations in in New Orleans that help a small business. I think we are blessed with that because, again, I, I used to have a company in Orlando and I didn't give even half of the help that I got here from the nonprofits. And when I say help, I mean, they do a lot of classes, a lot of seminars to help a small business. So that's been really, really helpful. Okay. Okay. So does Goldman Sachs provide you guys with any capital or was it just kind of like a business school that helps you do with the growth plan? Actually, they do have a partnership with some local entities to provide capital and we apply for. And it's funny because back then we have this opportunity to do this project and we kind of accept and sign contracts relying on getting that capital. 
in a day and it didn't came true. So, but again, I think everything happens for a reason. So mm-hmm. I'm glad everything happens that way. But yeah, that's the program has that. They have, they actually connect with local entities and, and they do uh, help with capital for your business as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at that time we didn't qualify for it. <laughs> yeah. So you guys didn't raise any capital at all. No, I, well, with the years, then I applied for a line of credit with a nonprofit organizations again to help a small business here. It's got called it. Newport, and got we it. got it. We have a, a twenty thousand line of credit, and then um, we got another project, so they increase it to fifty thousand, then a hundred, and now we have a three hundred and fifty thousand line of credit with them, mm-hmm. and we have a loan with yeah with with the bank to a line of credit. So got it, got it. Okay. So Angelica, I wanted to know if you had any mentors that helped you out to start your business. Well, I can think on on someone special right now, but again, there is here in New Orleans, there is a lot of nonprofit organizations that help me. So if I think about uh, financially, I have someone in mind like uh, Newport, they did a great job and they do training on that. And and as far as technical, we have Urban League and we have Good Word Network and we have the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the foundation which helps the small businesses. So uh, there is a lot of entities that that help Mm -hmm. us. And I think, again, here in New Orleans, it's a blessing to open your business when you have a lot of help around. So reaching out to nonprofits or different types of organizations really helped you guys out in, in like the beginning stages. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think that was the key of our success. Yes. Oh, good. Good. Awesome. Good to hear. So I'm really interested to know, how do you look at failures and how do you overcome them? Well, I think failures are more like lesson learned and opportunities also to grow. There's always a a solution to to any problem. And if there is not a solution, so there is not a problem that is worth it to worry about. (laughs) So, So we have... Again, every time that something happens here in the office, we the first word that comes not only from me, but anyone in the office is, okay, what's the lesson learned? What's the lesson learned? So we don't commit those in the future. So I think, again, that those are opportunities to grow. If there is no problems, I don't think there is challenge for you to, to go out of the bus or, or to look at next level or how to grow. But again, in Colombia, my mom always say, don't ask why it's happening to me. Ask for what reason and what can I get from this? So I think that's the key to look at failures. Mm, So powerful. Thank you. So let's switch gears and talk about successes. Are there any successes that you would like to outline from your immigrant entrepreneur journey? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to touch on something that I'm reading from the Goldman Sachs once you're done. Okay, actually, being a woman in the construction business in Spanish, and initially, it it was really difficult. And overcome that, it makes me proud, not only as a woman, as in Spanish. I I used to go to these seminars. When I got here, I told you I got to New York, and six months after that, I went back to Orlando, Florida. In Orlando, everybody speaks Spanish. If you go to a restaurant, there is only Colombian, Venezuelan, and and so everyone there speaks Spanish. Even when I went to college, some of the classes, the teacher was from Puerto Rico and everybody was uh, Spanish, so they, they only speak Spanish. So it wasn't until I got here to New Orleans that I realized my English was that bad. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God, because, yeah, all all those years I was in, uh, within the Spanish community. So when I got first got to the country, uh, that's that's how I feel when I got here to New Orleans. I'm like, oh, my God. And not only that, but, but I didn't understand the way that they were talking. It was really difficult. So 
when I used to go to these meetings where there was like 20 men and me, a Spanish girl with no English. I mean, my English wasn't that good. So, I mean, it was really difficult. So now that we set ourselves to be one of the best companies in New Orleans, and in fact, last month, we got uh, one of the best places to work in New Orleans. Oh, nice. yeah, so things like that make you feel proud that with perseverance, I think we as Latinos, we came here to grow. We came to this country uh, following a dream. And I think when you have all the the desire to do it, it's, it's more powerful than having all the tools around you. So that and last year, actually, we were selected by the U.S. Small Business Administration of Louisiana for the 2019 Entrepreneurs Sex Award of the Year. So that was a big win. Um, the wow. governor actually was there and, and we got that award. That was one of the moments that I feel like, wow. okay, we're, we're doing something good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. What makes you guys stand out from all the other construction companies? I think the fact that, that we try to create a enjoyable construction experience for our clients Mm-hmm. And, and construction is not easy. I mean, there is a lot of issues, a lot of things happen during construction. So we always try to to solve those issues, keeping all our clients informed on a daily basis. So we have communications with them with uh, softwares on a daily basis where we do job logs and, and let them know how we're doing, what we're doing. And, and that externally, that helps us a lot again, because we want that, again, enjoyable construction experience that, that is difficult to, to have. And we reach that by, by doing things with passion. And we do that by having a strong organizational culture. So everyone in our office, they know that that's our goal. Everyone in, in our company, they strive for that 100% client satisfaction. And in my job, my role, my main role in the company is to keep my employees happy. So they keep our clients happy. <laughs> so mm. we do, we focus a lot on that. I mean, we do a lot of things that not other companies don't do uh, with their employees. Like um, we have a vacation once a year that we pay for everything. We have every Friday, we have meetings and we have tournaments with people, uh, basketball. So half of the day, we, we're just playing every Friday. I mean, there, there is a lot of activities that we have with our, with our company. Even during the pandemic, I mean, we keep having those meetings virtually and it was pretty nice. So I think that's important and that every single person from the girl that sweeps the floor for our uh, vice president they all have the same passion about the company. And that's what we want to create. I love it. Wow. Amazing. And good job for creating that culture after 13 years. That's amazing. (laughs) And I saw the video on the Goldman Sachs and I saw you as a woman with a construction hat on and you were like directing all these men to, you know, like you, you were doing a really good job. Let me tell you that. And I'm like, wow, I'm super excited to talk to her because I, like you said, as a woman in the construction field, that normally does not happen. And so what you're doing out there is absolutely phenomenal. So thank you. Thank you so much. And so I was reading on the Goldman Sachs and um, it mentions on the article says her goal is to grow from a 3.5 million in revenue to 20 million within five years. And she feels she's on the right track. First of all, I think it's so powerful to have a clear goal like that and to kind of put it out there and what you have done, either writing it out or 
you know, having that really clear goal in mind, I think is so, so powerful. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. And you're totally right. I mean, every goal, and again, I learned that through the program that every time that you set a goal, it's not like, oh, for example, when I, I want to go to Europe or with my husband and have a nice vacation. Well, when are you going to do it? How long are you going to do it? Where are you getting the money to do it? And so those are the things that you need to sit down and, and, and answer it. And actually, I did that about, I don't know, five, six years ago when I sit down and said, OK, before I turn 40, I'm going to go to Europe. I'm going to go to these countries and I'm going to spend six weeks and this is how I'm going to do it. And then when I was just about to turn 40, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we plan it and we make it happen. And, and that's exactly the same that, that we did that we're doing with our income. Mm -hmm. So when we started the company our first year and when we before we got into the Goldman Sachs program, our first year was like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars revenue and get to that seven million dollar and keep growing. I think that's that's amazing. And it, even this year that it wasn't a pretty good year for anyone, I, I think. I mean, we 2020 was a really difficult year. Mm -hmm. But even with that, we have a really good pipeline coming up for 2021. So we're really excited about everything that is coming up. We already signed a couple of contracts. So we have over $7 million in contracts. So so that's exciting because we're like, mm -hmm. okay, I mean, sometimes things are not, you don't you can't control them. But okay, how we get and, and how we get to this point is not because we get phone calls or nothing like that. It's because we create a plan. So during the pandemic, we're like, okay, we're going to hire a lead estimator and we're going to put our estimator department. Uh, we, we're going to do it stronger and we're going to start bidding on every project. And that's what we did. And in order to get these four projects that we're going to start working, we bid almost 50 projects. And meeting mm -hmm. a project is, I mean, it's a lot of time consuming. There is always a plan behind a goal. And I think we need to do that in every single aspect in our lives. In fact, something that I've been doing for the last 10 years on New Year's, I have this list of goals that I have for the next year. But for example, I have do something special with my kids every month. And I put there, okay, what I did in January, what I did in February, what I did in March. And and then uh, that makes me, I mean, it's not like, like okay, I'm going to do that. And then when it's June, you're like, okay, what I did. Not, but if you have it like that, by month, it's, I mean, it's measurable and it's something that you can, you can accomplish. So powerful. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. So what's next for you guys? What are some business goals for the next couple of years? Uh, More uh, commercial buildings? We're doing a lot. Of, we're still doing a lot of residential, but our focus is not commercial. So okay. our goal within the next uh, couple of years is to get our license in Florida and start working in Louisiana and Florida as well. And, and in fact, uh, we sit down with our management team every quarter and, and review our goals. So we did this a couple of years ago where we have our 10-year goal, our five years, three years, one year, and then every quarter. And then we break out quarters, each one, okay, what each one rocks, we break it in rocks and, and, and each one has a rock. So we kind of review that every month and see, okay, where you are, what do you need, if we need any help, how we can accomplish that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, one of the, the big goals that we have right now is going into the Florida market. That's amazing. I hope you guys take over all the Florida markets out there. <laughs> and, and I know you're going to be able to, to accomplish all of your goals. So Angelica, I wanted to ask you, looking back when you were 16 years old and you came to the United States, did you ever think you would be 
become an entrepreneur? Well, that's something that I have in my blood and, and I always wanted to have my own business. And I will say yes, that, that's, that was one of my goals since I was a little girl. My dad has always been an entrepreneur. I mean, he always worked for himself. He did business here, there, sell things, got taxes. And so he, he he's the one that actually put that on me. Uh, mm-hmm. Since I, I remember he used to say that working for somebody else, is, it, it wasn't as, I mean, when you have potential, you should not be working for somebody else. You should be making your own things. And he was always like that. In fact, when I quit our master court, the, the housekeeping company that I was working with, yeah. he was the only one that was really happy. Everybody was kind of upset because I was making really good money. I mean, back then, I was making like $60,000 and and I'm talking about, I don't know, 18 years ago and I have a car and they give me credit cards and and everybody's like, are you crazy? Why are you quitting this? This nice. I've been like, nope, that's the best thing you can do. (laughs) He's been always the one that put that seat on my head. I love it. I love it. Shout out to your dad for all the motivation that he's given you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Angelica, what does the American dream mean to you? The American dream, uh, I think, is to find that balance between work and family. It's not money. It's not being millionaire. I think it's being able to live comfortable and to learn how to have that balance between your family and the company. I spend a lot of time with my kids as much as I can. Like I pick them up from school when they were in school before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> now it's been kind of crazy, but I take them to classes. I spend all my weekends. I do sheer work. I mean, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, there's no work at all for us. So I think that the fact when you get to that point where, where when you can do that, because at the beginning, it wasn't like that and not being like that all the time. At the beginning, I used to work, my God, 18 hours a day. I get up at 4 a.m. And, and go to the computer and do contacts and then 6 a.m. go and do breakfast and go back to the computer. And wow. it was yeah, it was really hard at the beginning. But if you ask me, have you reached the American dream? I will say yes. And not because I have millions of dollars in the bank, but because I had the opportunity to enjoy my kids, have that balance, have a nice relationship with my husband and and keep feeling that butterflies that I felt when I was uh, little with him. So it's, yeah, I think that's, that's the American dream. I love it. Way to go to put it all into perspective. So is giving back either volunteering time or giving back to the community something that is part of your business values? Yeah, definitely. That's something that we love to do. In fact, right now we are partnership with some organizations collecting clothes and toys and items for Honduras after the hurricane. So again, it's, it's with nonprofit organizations that we partnership to do that. And last year we did something really nice at the end of the year with there was this family that didn't have money to put a ramp on, on their son that it was handicapped and mm. all everybody at Colmex. And, and that was the beauty of it, that it was all from Colmex. There was no subcontact to somebody. We went and did the ramp work for the family. Mm. It took us two days and <laughs> it was pretty nice. So things like that. And, and also I love to serve the community. Like I am the chair of the uh, Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation. Mm-hmm. And on that uh, chamber, we help the community to find job opportunities and we do resumes and we do digital literacy. And on the other side, we also help small businesses and we, again, we focus on Spanish owners and, mm-hmm. and help them to, to kind of go to the next level. And, and we do, we provide classes with the chamber. 
we do a lot of things for the community together. I was appointed by the governor to be part of the Luciana Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. So that, that was really nice to be able to, to collaborate with all these amazing organizations and people. And now with the pandemic, I was also part of the Resilience uh, Luciana Small Task Force. The uh, it's called the, the Resilience Luciana Small Task Force. It, oh, it was like a group that, that the city did in order to kind of find ideas on how we can help small businesses to overcome the pandemic and what was happening. So yeah, that's that's, that's something that, that we love, give back to the community. Yeah. And I feel like everyone that I talk to on this show, all of the entrepreneurs are giving back in one way or another. And I feel like they were helped in some ways, maybe small ways in the beginning stages with the immigration process or with the the business process. And they're giving back in like tenfold times. And it's awesome to see how all of the entrepreneurs are giving back in so many ways. and, And you're doing the same thing. And I feel like we receive a blessing in that something that is not explainable in words you know like the, just the gratitude of giving back and I feel like you're, you're doing that and so I, so I well you, you hear Ryan I mean that gratitude yeah. to give back and the fact that you you made it and, and you're living your dreams to so share that with other people and, and help other people to do theirs I think that's I mean I, I love to give more than receive I yeah. think that's a, it's a better feeling so yeah that's true So what are some things you would advise the next aspiring immigrant that wants to start their own business listening to you right now? I say that we have an advantage uh, when we came to this country because we we come here with a purpose and with a goal in mind. And we cannot allow anyone to tell us that it cannot be done. So just listen to your heart, listen to what you came for and get it done. And again, you're going to encounter a lot of people telling you it's a crazy idea. You're not going to make it. You don't have the money to do that. You don't have the capacity <laughs> to do that. Don't listen to them. Just go towards your goal. It's continuous education. I think that's the key. There is a lot of uh, classes that are free, things that you look up. into. Now with the internet, this is an endless way of looking for continuous education and keep growing as a person, as a, as a business person, as an entrepreneur. So I think that's the key. And, and work on yourself, work on your business instead of in the business all the time, because sometimes we get like sucked up by the business and, and we just work inside the business and, and not into a different perspective on how to grow the business. But yeah, I, I think that the, the continuous education is the key. Awesome. And what do we do with our broken English accents, Angelica? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And, and another thing we have an advantage is that we already speak our language. So this is our second language. Right. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> you were already a step ahead of everyone else. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. how I, I like to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So I'm going to wrap up with these super, super fast questions, if that's okay with you. Okay. Okay. What time do you normally start your day? 4.30 in the morning. I actually exercise every day with my husband. So we get up early in order to be back at home around six. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 4.30 in the morning. Woo. 
Good job. We've been, doing, we've been doing this for the last three years. We actually exercise every morning. And the beauty of it is that we do it together. So sometimes I'm like, no, I don't feel like we, he's like, no, 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 let's go, let's go. <laughs> so, so that's, yeah, that's good. So yeah, my, my alarm is always at 4 30 a.m. Wow. That's awesome. And do he go to sleep early then? But every day at 9 p.m. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So how many employees do you guys have? Right now, we currently have about 15 employees. 15? Yes. Okay. Perfect. How often do you watch TV in a week? Not that often. Sometimes I go a whole week without looking at the TV. <laughs> and then how many hours of work do you normally put in, say, on average in a week? In a week, it's an average of 40 to 45 hours. Oh, okay. Not bad. Not bad. No. But we have to we have to keep in mind that in the beginning stages, oh, you were doing gosh. like 12 hours oh. a day, you mentioned. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so. Initially, it was, it was, yeah. But right now, I, I got to a point. And that's, again, that's the American dream that I was talking about that I reached. So I, I got to the office around 8.30 every day. And, and I live by, it depends, 536. Okay, well, Angelica, thank you so, so much for coming on to the show. And I truly appreciate all that you're doing out there, rocking the construction world as a female and as an immigrant. So thank you so much for sharing your journey. I know it's going to inspire so many immigrants listening. And thank you again. No, thank you so much for your invitation. It was a pleasure. And yeah, I hope this helps a lot of people to to get their dreams come true here in America. Alrighty, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If there are any links that were mentioned in this episode, make sure to check them out on my website under this episode to find all the links conveniently located in the show notes. I just wanted to ask for a quick favor. If you could please leave a review wherever you're at listening to this podcast. Also, if you're an immigrant entrepreneur and would love to be on my podcast, please email me and we'll get connected. I'll see you guys all next time for another exciting and impactful episode. Take care.